Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks. My name is Mike Hensley. I'm your host. And today we're talking all about moths, which I'm super excited about. Yes. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So as always, we have Melissa and Cheryl with us today. Hello. No hey, special hey. guests, unfortunately. But today, um, you're going to hear a lot of my voice because this is like, so when I talk a lot about birds... Moths you hear me? Is, Moths is my number two. Yeah. Yeah. And Cheryl and I have a lot of knowledge about birds, but when it comes to moths, I mean, we know what they are, yes. but identifying, they all look the same. They do. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I think you're lying 90% of the time when you tell me a, a moth name. I'm like, you don't like, know. Uh, what? It's well, I mean, sparkly. I still, I mean, because of... <laughs> The diversity of moths and how many there are. I come across some every single day that I don't know what they are, which is awesome. And sometimes, like, there are so many that, like, I forget names, too. I'm like, oh, I know what family it's in. I know I know part of its name or something. And then I have to, like, revert back to a previous find or one of my field guides or something to yeah. actually find it. Which brings me to my first question. Why do you think that their cousins, the butterflies, get more love than moths do? Melissa, you go first. Because moths fly up your nose. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the only reason, which they do, especially like small grass moths and things like that. They can get up there real easy. Ooh. And your micro moths and your teeny tiny ones. Cheryl, why do you think? There's... Moths are such spazzes. <laughs> they they do like when you when you stir one up, they're you know they're just everywhere. They fly in your face and your head. So I can tell you why that is. So most moths are nocturnal, and they travel via light. So you can attract them with a light, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. But when they come out in the daylight. What happens is, is they're confused because there's so much light and they're trying to process that uh -huh. and they don't really know where to go. Because they're like, there's light here, there's light there, there's light here, there's light yeah. there, left, right, up, down, circle. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens. Because like if you that watch. That sounds like a really fun game to play at camp. It does. Create a game called Moth. Write that down. <gasps> yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Wow. Holy crap, we just created a new game. They can just run everywhere. Good job, us. <laughs> but anyway, so if you like watch them, for example, flick on your back porch light. Here's an example. Just watch them just constantly. Yeah. And if you don't have anything, like if you're, if you don't have like wood siding or something, like if, it, if you have like, I want to say vinyl siding and it's like slick, they don't have anything to grab onto. So they'll just keep going until they literally beat the crap out of themselves and die. Aww. So That's like sad. the big parking lot lights at like Walmart and all that stuff are terrible for moths and other insects because that's what they do is they just continuously Circle. fly and fly and fly and basically die of exhaustion. Oh. So, which breaks my heart. That's I just really want to like lay out a bed sheet. It breaks my heart. Like underneath the light. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's what I do. I basically lay out either a bed sheet or an old towel that they can grip onto. And then they can fly around. All right, so this brings me to my next question for you guys. 
How many moths do you think there are worldwide? Oh my gosh. Cheryl, you can go first since you said, oh my gosh. Um, how many species or yep. how many like, indiv- oh, okay. Um, a thousand. All right, Melissa. 10,000. All right, you ready for this? Ready. 160,000 worldwide. Holy moly. 13,000 in North America. And Ohio doesn't have an accurate exact number, but we're over 3,000 in Ohio so far. So that's a ton. That's insane. They so outnumber funny. butterflies nine to one. Wow. Just based on species, not just, I mean, the overall number is, is the, the, another big thing that, that plays into their, um, how awesome they are in their diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we have like, so when you guys think of a moth, what, what is there any specific moth that you think of right away? Luna moths. Yeah, they're one of our giant silk moths. Yeah. Melissa, can you think of any other? Them? I just think of like small white ones. <laughs> like the yeah. teeny ones? The teeny ones. Like yeah, the ones like that the get super, up your nose. The ones that go up your nose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, Cheryl, most people here in Ohio think of those giant ones. Not a lot of people really think about your small ones because they fly in your mouth, they get in your ear, yeah. all kinds of things. Um, which I've, I think I've had them fly. Yeah, definitely had one in the ear, one in the mouth, not in the eyes yet. Like they've hit me in the face, but yeah, I'm okay with it. What happens is, is with the large moths, people, they're fascinating. They're huge. They're called silk moths. So, uh, Cercopia, you have the Luna moth, uh, who else? The Io, um, all those are like really big moths and they stick out and they're really pretty and they have vibrant colors. Uh-huh. But where we're at here in Erie County, we have a completely different diverse habitat of moths and it's because of the wetland habitat that we have. So there are like, I think it's like anywhere from 500 to a thousand that are just specific to wetland habitats. That's cool. Whoa. So, and that's why this year's moth topic is wetland moth habitat for um, the North American Moth Association that I follow and I'm a part of. Cool. <laughs> Nerd. How do you follow all these things? Like, how does your brain have so much space? Well, see, things happen by accident. Like with birds, moths actually was a complete mistake. I did it as a program at my last place and it wasn't very successful. And that was because of the light pollution that was there. So I was like, well, I'll retry it when I started here. So what I did is I lived in Vermilion at the time. So I lived there in like an apartment complex and I just turned on my backlight because we lived near a wood line and I started getting all these crazy looking moths and I'm like, this is, this is cool. This is pretty easy. And then I came and did it over here at Osborne and that was very easy. Then I started baiting and then switched to Eagle Point and then did Edison Woods and Huffman and yeah, I've been addicted ever <laughs> since. Yeah. Well, and because like I get to go out in the middle of the night and like category and like... <laughs> It's like hunting, basically. Like, I get to find new moths. Like, yeah. It's not hunting. <laughs> it, it, it's like a form of, like, I don't know, an achievement for a me. Search. Like, I'm, I'm help. Yeah. I'm, I think, in my opinion, I'm making a valuable contribution to science because I'm finding things that people didn't know were there, which is more a lot easier than people really think that it is. 
I mean, just well, because how many um, endangered or threatened species did you find just last year? So in 2019, I found one threatened, and then this year I found an endangered and two threatened. That's cool. So the threatened one that has been reoccurring is the pink streak moth, which tends to be like a southern Kansas species, but we do get it occasionally in Ohio. And only one other person has found it in the northern part of Ohio. There's been a like two or three found near Columbus and one in um, probably four or five in Cincinnati. Um, but Ken Kaufman actually found one over in Ottawa County uh, in 2018. And then I found the one in 2019 and then found it again within the same week and time. So I'm starting to pick up on a, uh, like a, like an emerging pattern. Like that's when that adult's going to come out and start moving around. This one is switchgrass is their specific habitat. So yeah. And then I did find another one. It was a species of prominent moth. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but they're not very common. So the pink streak, um, that one was the cool one, in my opinion, because like I found it back to back. So hopefully I can find that again this year and the, the Cycnia moth. The hard thing about the Cycnia moth, the only reason that I was able to successfully identify it was because it had died on the porch and I sent it to Bomona, which is butterflies and moths of North America. And they ran a test on it and it was successful because that was the only way he would accept it the picture she's like is there any chance that that you have the moth i'm like ironically it's it died and i picked it up and put it in a container and he's like can you send it to me so i sent it to him that's cool good so that is really cool because i remember when i first thought i found it i couldn't i started searching the property for the caterpillar because that's the way to identify it because there's a um there's a dog bane sycnia there's a um, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank here, but there are like two or three sycnias that look almost identical, and I couldn't find the caterpillar. I was searching everywhere, couldn't find it, so uh-huh. I was frustrated. And then finally, I got that opportunity to send it to him, so that was good. And then, um, the prominent was just like a surprise, like, I didn't know until like three weeks later that I had actually found <laughs> an endangered or a, a <laughs> like an uncommon moth, somebody on uh iNaturalist this is where I add most it's it's easier for me to do it on iNaturalist because it keeps a category and a log of them instead of me having to just like have a folder of pictures and things uh-huh. on my computer yeah and it shows exactly where I found it so that's helpful but these moths are, are beneficial because it also can help us here at the park in terms of protecting that property and those things even longer and can allow us to you know it's it's efforts towards conservation, which is a big part of what we do. So mm-hmm. that's good as well. What was the other thing? Oh, um, so moth diversity is astonishing, not just where I've done it here at the park, but even in people's own backyards. There are people um, that I'm friends with and I utilize for identification and stuff sometimes that are in Cleveland, just in their own backyards, like 700 species over five years. Wow. Like that's insane. Like just in Crazy. their backyards, and they don't even live anywhere like, like, excruciatingly, like abundant with trees and everything. Mm-hmm. They just live in like a rural area, and a lot of people don't even know how much is in their backyard. Um, so, I'm gonna cover why moths are so important. Um, so one thing that a lot of people don't know is they're a major source of food for a variety of animals. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So not only as adults, but as caterpillars do. So caterpillars, that's a big part of why we get so many warblers in the spring. It's because one, they're taking a break before they finish their flight. And two, they need food and they need to refuel. And we just so happen to be loaded in some of our wetland habitats with a lot of caterpillars. And they usually tend to be moth caterpillars because they can be super, super teeny tiny. And I don't remember if you guys saw that one. I think Cheryl took a video of that little one that looks like a little stick and was moving real slow over the summer. Oh. Maybe it was you or Melissa. One of you did. I don't remember. That's a species of geometer moth, but that's the, the species that um, Blackburnium warbler mo- warbler moths, geez. Blackburnium <laughs> warbler, the bird, actually... Um, like they feed primarily on those because they can identify, they can find them easier. I don't know how, but they're really good at it. Interesting. So there's that there's other animals that eat them, spiders, other predatory insects. And, um, as adults, you know, bats, uh, whippoorwills, some of those birds are primarily eating moths. And if we don't have enough moths and we don't have enough habitat for them, we're going to eventually lose those species mm-hmm. too. So I think people don't really make that connection because like Melissa said, you don't want a moth flying up your nose or in your ear and getting stuck. I would much rather look for caterpillars. Yeah. Yeah. It's see, looking for caterpillars can be fun, but moths like, well, and I guess, okay, you're fair enough because when you're doing um, like when you're actually, this will be a verb, I will make it mothing, just like birding. <laughs> I've said this in multiple podcasts. When you're mothing or searching for moths, you got to you gotta take the good with the bad. You're not only going to get moths, you're going to get spiders. You're going to get some creepy insects sometimes yeah. that are not there. Um, and I, ironically, I do spiders at the same time because they come to feast on moths and other insects that are hanging out there. So... <laughs> Makes so sense. Two for one. Get, yeah, it is like a two for one. And you get other stuff too. You get lots of beetles and things mm-hmm. that are moving around. Um, moths are actually pulling night shift on pollination. So not all moths, but most moths are nocturnal. Some are diurnal, meaning they move around during the day and look for food and mate and things during the day. But most of them are your nighttime pollinators. And they are... Um, very beneficial to orchids. So this has been some recent science. And these some of these species of moths, usually sphinx moths, are um, able to find orchids in the evening and pollinate them successfully. And some orchids are designed only to accept um, the proboscis or the mouth part of a moth. Oh. So they'll only let them in. So I thought that was fascinating. And the one that is a big one is that, um, oh my gosh, I got to look a little closer. We can cut that part out. (laughs) It's the prairie fringed orchid which is an endangered flower here in Ohio. Uh And that orchid only allows sphinx moths into it. So what the orchid does is it releases an aroma that the sphinx moth picks up. And then the sphinx moth will fly in, 
insert its proboscis to get nectar and then do that with another flower and then they're able to pollinate and pass it around. So if we didn't have these sphinx moths, that orchid is going to go extinct even further. So we've already lost some of the sphinx moths because of one, their size and people get really excited when they find them because, and then they try to keep them. But one thing I've learned with moths is we have good enough cameras now that we can just take pictures of them. And I, you know, if I find one dead or it's at the end of its life, I'll keep it. But I try not to because you want them to go on and reproduce and, Uh Mm-hmm. because just like butterflies they can lay anywhere from like 10 to hundreds of eggs that will eventually be caterpillars. I guess I never understood like when you know people find bugs and they keep them like you can't you don't do that with a bird you don't do that with a frog <laughs> why I, are we doing it with bugs I think because in their mind I, I I do keep one um it's not a bug uh but I do keep an arachnid I do keep um ticks you keep ticks. <laughs> yeah, because you pull them off of you and yeah. ticks are terrible. And they go in the tick jar. <laughs> they do. So, <laughs> But they're not alive. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, they are. And I just drop them in some well, 90% yeah. alcohol and then they quickly drown. <laughs> but I don't keep them because I want them to to go on and, you know, um, repopulate and, you know, provide more food later. They just like... Uh, butterflies have a complete metamorphosis um, through their life cycle. So it's four parts. So there's egg, then there is um, caterpillar, which has anywhere from four to six um, growth or instar periods is what we call it. And then pupa, which is a little different from caterpillars. So I'm sorry, caterpillars, from butterflies. So usually the pupa of a moth has to, um, you know, use something around it, whether or on it, whether it's its silk or leaf litter or something to protect itself in a cocoon. So they'll do that, and then they'll emerge as an adult. Now, some of these moths, just like some butterflies, will overwinter in that pupa stage. Mm -hmm. And then the thing is, is the reason we're having such a big problem with keeping moth populations high is because most of these moths, like, are you know in the leaf litter and in the grass and things like that so we're raking up our leaves and burning them or getting rid of them so you're raking up those moth caterpillars or those moth pupa as well you're not really doing them a service by leaving them and i know sometimes we like to have beautiful lawns and nice clean properties but if you do decide to rake them just kind of rake them into the woods a little bit and just let them kind of stay there because these moths are going to be beneficial to if you have a, a garden for example they're going to help to pollinate in some cases not just bees and other insects so mm-hmm. it's beneficial for them mm-hmm. now in ohio so that cycnia moth is our one of our two endangered one other thing that a lot of people don't know is that some moths migrate. So do you guys remember last year when I took a picture of all those moths on that line? Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. called a wine line. Yeah. Which we'll talk about different ways to <laughs> attract the moths here in a second. But those all migrate. And they're just mm. kind of like, um, you know how you get eruption years for birds? Yeah. They Last year was one of their eruption years for a large um kind of population of them because remember i counted like 
think it was anywhere between 75 and 150, uh-huh. somewhere in there on various nights with these um, white spotted army moths on this wine line. So they migrate from um, sometimes like Texas and Kentucky and areas like that and kind of hang out up here in the summer. So that's really cool. There is one that's a life moth for me, which is a, a black widow moth. So oh. that one looks really cool. What does that one look like? Um, it's pretty big. It's like the size of your palm. And it's it almost looks like a... I, I'll just have to show you because I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to explain because the, <laughs> the <laughs> listeners will be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> um, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna talk about some other cool facts here now that moths have that people don't know. So I'd mentioned already one about some moths... Um, fly during the day there's a whole species or there's a whole group of moths called the flower moths that fly primarily during the day and they are another one of the um, endangered or threatened groups of moths so the arsigdia i think is what it is the arsigdia flower moth is one that we get here but that one's not endangered but there are other ones in that family that are endangered and a lot of your grass ones tend to fly during the day um, and helping to pollinate and eat grasses and things like that and be food for other things. So they're actually like a small source of protein for things that eat um, like clover and things like that because like for rabbits and stuff, for example, they're eating that stuff too and giving them some extra nutrients, believe it or not, which I didn't, I had no idea until I read oh. a few things in preparation for this one. Um, worldwide moths out, I told you moths out number nine to one. So that means that moths are more important than butterflies. Wrong. <laughs> no, they really <laughs> truly are not, not to downplay the importance of butterflies. I truly think it's because my thought on this is one, it's easier to see them butterflies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to say all of them, but most of them are pretty large, right? And you can see with the naked eye. Yeah. At least the ones we have here. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, because once you start getting down to those, the Carner Blue and the, is it, did they say Arjur? Azure. Azure. Yeah. I always butcher that. Um, those are pretty tiny and can be hard to see. Yeah. But like your Bushfoots, like the Monarch and the Swallowtails, like those are all monsters and they look beautiful and they're pretty. I think moths are prettier, but it's just me. <laughs> bias <laughs> they come in all depending on the moth <laughs> well yeah they come in all sizes though they come in butterfly size and bigger and then like melissa <laughs> said they come all the way down to like if you've ever had um like grain or anything like if you have those type of animals that eat grain and stuff you get meal moths in there they're like mm-hmm. super teeny tiny they're also an introduced species there's a ton Rude. of introduced moths yeah. tons tons well anything with wings is easy way to get introduced True. we've discussed that before yeah. mm-hmm. um and then i mentioned some moths migrate some upwards of you know two to three thousand miles that's wow. wild for a teeny t- i mean think i mean think about the monarch butterfly look how far they move through a yeah life but cycle. okay so does a moth do the same thing as about as monarchs do they go to one place like they've never been there before and then Yes. Like come back or do they go back and forth? So they, so that white speck moth that I was talking about, what they'll do is they'll come up in the summer, then they'll lay their eggs and like 
So that's their, they die, basically come up, lay their eggs and die. And then their kids are going to, you know, feed a few times throughout the summer, reproduce. And then the adults at that point will then fly back down to warmer climates in the winter. So then do they lay their eggs there and then like come back or do they stay there and come back and then lay their eggs here? Um, just like a monarch. Okay. Just like them. I got confused gotcha. on the way you asked it. Sorry. <laughs> I know. As I said, I'm like, this is confusing. <laughs> um, male, mo- male monarchs. You know, I'm talking about moths. Male moths have astonishing smell, like some of the best smell. They can smell upwards of seven to 10 miles for, uh, for a female. Wow. If you've ever seen those people who, um, I think they do it with sarcopias, is they'll cage the female outside Sorry. I've done that before. It's so cool. And you just find a female and throw her in a tank. And the next morning, there's like four or five males just like, let me in. Yeah, they, they <laughs> want to reproduce with her as quick as they can. And they will. I haven't um, where I do most of the mothing. I don't really get those. I don't, I've only got one at Edison Woods. So I don't get a lot of them yeah. over here. But maybe I'll hopefully I'll get them next year and then I'll try to see if I can find them. Is it like a lot of male antenna are fuzzy? All of them are actually almost like a feathered. Yeah. So that's what kind of distinguishes them from butterflies is their antenna. And that they they don't have a nose. They use their antenna to smell. Uh Uh It's basically like a little uh, TV antenna picking up all the signal there's a girl to the left they are cuter (laughs) than butterflies though they are really if you look at the face shots like some of the macro shots of up close on a um, moth they are way better looking chunky bodies and they're fuzzy so this has basically just been a pitch for mike to say why (laughs) moths are better better than (laughs) (laughs) oh i hope i'm doing a good job at it that's what i you're winning yeah I've got you two on board. <laughs> you can attract this is, I think this is going to make, the, if people listen to this one, this is what's going to make them get more attracted to moths. Um, they like to, 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 to attract a moth. You can do a variety of different things. Um, I've mentioned my primary source of attracting a moth is a light. So I use a black light mm-hmm. or a bat, like just a led light works just fine, but different lights work better. So if you use an LED light, you're going to get a little bit. Use a black light because moths and butterflies, too, um, can see a wider spectrum of light than humans can, for example, or a lot of other things. So they can pick up other wavelengths of light. So when you turn on that black light, that's going to attract them more like they would be attracted to a flower or a potential pollination source. Um, they also are attracted to halogen lights. I try not to use those because they get really hot and they're very expensive and I don't want to continuously roll over breaking them because I leave them on for a pretty long time. And some people have like caught their sheets on fire and some other stuff too. So don't do that. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) So I stick with the black light and then mercury vapor works too, but it's the same thing. Uh, It gets very, that gets way more hot and can be potentially dangerous at touching your skin and stuff. So if I was doing it for a short period, I would probably use a mercury vapor because there is some evidence and some research that shows um, that mercury vapor attracts a wider variety of moth species. Words of, you know, two to three thousand miles. That's wild wow. for a teeny. T- well, I mean, think. I mean, 
think about the monarch butterfly. Look how far they move through. Yeah, a but cycle. okay. So does a moth do the same thing as about as monarchs? Do they go to one place like they've never been there before and then? Yes. Like come back or do they go back and forth? So they, so that white speck moth that I was talking about, what they'll do is they'll come up in the summer, then they'll lay their eggs and like, so that's their, they die, basically come up, lay their eggs and die. And then their kids are going to, you know, feed a few times throughout the summer, reproduce. And then the adults at that point will then fly back down to warmer climates in the winter. So then do they lay their eggs there and then like, come back or do they stay there and come back and then lay their eggs here? Um, just like a monarch. Okay. Just like them. I got confused gotcha. on the way you asked it. Sorry. <laughs> I know. As I said, I'm like, this is confusing. <laughs> um, male, mo- male monarchs, you know, I'm talking about moths. Male moths have astonishing smell, like some of the best smell. They can smell upwards of seven to 10 miles for a, uh, for a female. Wow. If you've ever seen those people who, um, I think they do it with sarcopias is they'll cage the female outside. Sorry. I've done that before. It's so cool. And you just find a female and throw her in a tank. And the next morning there's like four or five males just like, let me in. Yeah. They, they want to reproduce with her as quick as they can. And they will, I haven't, um, where I do most of the mothing, I don't really get those. I don't, I've only got one at Edison woods. So I don't, get a lot of them yeah. so over here but maybe i'll hopefully i'll get them next year and then i'll try to see if i can find them is it like They're a lot so of cool. male antenna are fuzzy all of them are actually almost yeah. like a feathered yeah so that's what kind of distinguishes them from butterflies is their antenna and that they they don't have a nose they use their antenna to smell mm-hmm. oh there's a little yes. it's basically like a little uh tv antenna picking up all the signal there's a girl to the left they are cuter (laughs) than butterflies though they are really if you look at the face shots like some of the macro shots of up close on a um, moth they're way better looking chunky bodies and they're fuzzy so this has basically just been a pitch for mike to say why (laughs) moths are better better (laughs) (laughs) i hope i'm doing a good job at it that's what i you're winning yeah I've got you two on board. <laughs> you can attract, this is, I think this is going to make, the, if people listen to this one, this is what's going to make them get more attracted to moths. Um, they like to, 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 to attract a moth. You can do a variety of different things. Um, I've mentioned my primary source of attracting a moth is a light. So I use a black light mm-hmm. or a bat, like just a LED light works just fine, but different lights work better. So if you use LED light, you're going to get a little bit. Use a black light because moths and butterflies, too, um, can see a wider spectrum of light than humans can, for example, or a lot of other things. So they can pick up other wavelengths of light. So when you turn on that black light, that's going to attract them more like they would be attracted to a flower or a potential pollination source. Um, they also are attracted to halogen lights. I try not to use those because they get really hot and they're very expensive and I don't want to continuously roll over breaking them because I leave them on for a pretty long time. And some people have like caught their sheets on fire and some other stuff too. So don't do that. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) So I stick with the black light and then mercury vapor works too, but it's the same thing. Uh, It gets very, that gets way more hot and can be potentially dangerous touching your skin and stuff. So 
if I was doing it for a short period, I would probably use a mercury vapor because there is some evidence and some research that shows um, that mercury vapor attracts a wider variety of moth species. Oh. Now, here's where it gets really cool. I'm going to have to cut this out. My mask is doing something weird. <laughs> I was going to say, you have been messing, been messing with, with your with mask it. the well, whole time. Well, it's because I double now. All right. So moths do something really cool. Um, some of them are attracted to a food source, um, whether they smell it or whatever that may be. So usually that tends to be sugar or something like that. So another thing that people use uh, pretty regularly to attract moths is alcohol, whether it's beer, whether it's, I told you guys earlier about the wine line. Uh I wasn't Mm -hmm. exaggerating when I take a piece of jute twine and I dip it in red wine and leave it for about 30, 45 minutes outside in the hot sun. And then that evening I'll take it and hang it up from one spot to another. And you can get, um, you know, other moths that aren't might not be attracted to light, and it's pretty easy to do. The other thing is, is that's something I can get on board with. Yeah, you don't get to drink the wine. Yeah, well, you should have plenty left in the bottle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> one for the moth, one for me. Yeah. <laughs> one ounce that. for the moth, fourteen for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also stale beer is a good one um so basically what i do is this is like a a real thing people do it everywhere to attract moths you take um i use either like a local source of fruit whether it's mulberries or service berry or something that is close to that area that they would be attracted to or i use banana not that they would get banana but bananas you know they go bad pretty quickly and they're easy to mash up and then you take some stale beer and you dump it in there, shake it up, add a little bit of molasses to make it kind of sticky. And then I paint trees with it. So I'll make like a one uh, two by two on a tree and I'll put that kind of painted on the tree and then I'll come back. That's how I get all my zale moths. That's how I get a lot of Ida moths that way is by doing that. Ooh, underwings uh, really like stale beer too. I'm not making these moths up. You can go look at all of them. And when I say underwings, <laughs> when I say zales, there, there are multiple um, species within that family. So you can look them up. I promise they're real. <laughs> I believe you. I just love how excited you get I when know. you talk uh, about like, oh, yeah. Under, and underwing. when I do this, this is the kind I get. <laughs> <laughs> and well, like, and the season also depends on too. You get certain moths at certain times of the year. Um for example, during maple sugaring season is usually when I get my first moths. I usually get them mm, probably the end of March. Right? Oh. Last year, I'm, this is going to be, you guys are going to be like, how do you remember this? But I can almost, it's somewhere between March 20th and March 25th was my first moth last year. I don't know how I remember that. <laughs> but of course you do. What they yeah. do is they go to the sap and they'll get in the bucket. If it's like a warmer night, like above 45 degrees, they'll go climb in the bucket or they'll go sit at the spile and just lick the sap up from there. So March is is when I start looking, not, I won't actively start, I want to say baiting and trapping for moths, but. Because you got warbler season first. Yeah, we got to get through the rest of sugaring season and then bird time. (laughs) Bird time. I mean, and moths are just fascinating just to see. 
Oh, I forgot about the other. I forgot to mention the one that I found, the raspberry pyrusta. Didn't you name your rooster after that moth? I did. Yeah, my little black rooster. His name is Pyrusta. So the, I'm, the raspberry Pyrusta is one that we get here. It's the coffee-loving Pyrusta. I am not making these moths up, people. When I tell you these are real names for moths, these are real. The coffee-loving Pyrusta is the one that was the in, not endangered, but rare to find here. You don't find a lot of them. Pyrusta. So, yeah, Pyrusta. I'm, I'm just... I'm excited that Melissa named her rooster that. So pie rooster. <laughs> That's the only rooster or the only chicken we have that has a name. <laughs> That's really fun to say too. Oh yeah. It is. Pie and you sound cool. You sound cool when you say it. Pie rooster. It's like a, <laughs> like you made your, your rooster into a pie. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of. I bet the rooster listeners pie. right now are saying pie rooster. <laughs> yeah. Pie rooster. It's fun to say. Everyone should say it. <laughs> I mean, they're, there are tons of really cool moths. There are, uh, what is it, uh, the spotted peppergrass moth. That's a real moth we have here. I'm trying to think of some other cool name ones. The unicorn prominent. That was another one that was. Maybe I have four. Unicorn prominent. Yeah, Google it. It's real. They have like a little horn. Like I'm not uh, kidding. Why did you? I don't. I don't think you told us about this one because oh, I gosh. would remember that one. I am. 95% sure there's a unicorn prominent moth and I have found it. They're not, when you think of unicorn, you think of like poof, rainbow colors. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it's a pretty cool stinking moth. Yeah. So, yeah. There are crazy, crazy variations of moths. And the the coolest part about it is, is like, when I get into stuff, I get into it hard. Yes, and like, you do. Yeah. <laughs> And these are one of those things. Moths are just, and I think for me, it's a change up because I really stop birding in the summer because it's real hot and gross. And in the evening, it's not so bad. I mean, some nights are terrible and those are the better nights for the moths. Mm -hmm. But like I'm, I'm standing out in the middle of the woods. Both of them, Cheryl and Melissa have witnessed this sweaty pits with a headlamp on just wandering around, looking at my bait spots, going back to my light trap. Yep. You have your lawn chair. Taking pictures. Waiting for your next round. Yeah. I'm just, (laughs) I'm weird. That's what this podcast has done. All it's done is expose me. (laughs) But it's so cool because like you, you like doing this. And when you do it, you go all in. All out. And you found so many species. I did. I just love that you remembered them. Like you have probably told me the name of a moth. A thousand times, and for the life of me, I cannot remember them. Same. Now, like I said, there are a lot. So last year I found, in the parks, I found 316 species, I think, in the parks. I think 400 and something total, because I went to a couple friends' houses and uh-huh. mothed there. Um, and then 278 of them are confirmed, like... I usually don't count it, count it until I get a confirmation from like someone who's like, okay, that's what it is. Or, or, you know, an iNaturalist check mark or whatever you use. Um, I use two. I use the Bomona and the iNaturalist. The Bomona is for more for like the rare or endangered or Mm -hmm. shouldn't be their moths. So, um, moths are tricksters. Are they? Did you know that? They all look the same? No. You guys said it earlier. They're they're inconsistent. Well, Cheryl said it. They're spazzes. 
yeah. inconsistent flight patterns are hard for some birds and things for them to catch them. So it makes it more difficult for them. And you guys know about the tiger moth. I think, Melissa, you're the one who told me about this when I started here before I got into moths about how they use jamming signals like... Um, like bats. Yeah, yeah, like bats. They jam uh, bats. Like they send out little clicks and snaps, like smaller ones, so that the bat so can't pick them up. Background for our listeners. Bats, they have echolocation, so they send out signals. Well, when there's multiple bats in an area, they have a specific sequence that they send out that's a jamming sequence for the other bats, so it cancels out their their echolocation, so basically screws them up. Some insects have learned this, and they will send out the jamming signal so that the bat will miss them, which is just insane. That's like, insane. <laughs> that's like evolution at work. For sure. Yeah. Because... Can you think about like, I mean, in your mind, a moth doesn't have a very big brain, even compared to its body. The 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 ability to pick that up and be like, oh, well, I can just fake them out like that. So they fake whatever. It's it's insane. Yeah. They fake out, which there are three or four different tiger moths we have that are exceptionally beautiful. And they're white, too. And I think that's one of the reasons why they probably picked up that jamming is because they're easy to pick out and pick out of the sky because you see this little white thing fluttering through the sky and yeah. compared to a brownish or something Get that doesn't camouflage. have as much. Yeah. yeah. That's the other I thing. I always wonder how they figure it out though. Cause like you can't figure out a jamming sequence because if you do it wrong, you're going to get eaten. So like, <laughs> yep. Are they, are they taught it? Do they just witness it? I, I, think I don't it, know. I think at this point it's, it, it might be genetically ingrained. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when I think of tiger moths doing it, I, they had to figure it out because of their their inability to camouflage and blend in with things. They had to because they're so vibrant in terms of color. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say about? Oh, they, the camouflage. Cheryl said it. So some of the moths that I bait with the beer and the molasses, they... Like, sometimes they'll be sitting there, and I don't even see them until I get within, like, a foot of the tree. Like, I, like so cool. some of those zale moths and stuff, I can't see them. Ida's, because they're so small, like, they blend in with the tree bark. Mm-hmm. And the specific one that I can remember, a lunate zale can have multiple pattern colors, pattern color patterns on its back. I apologize. And it looks like bark, moss, bark, lichen. It's it's crazy. Oh, that's cool. They look wild. I have to send you guys a picture of yeah. a good one of those that I got last year. And then some of them, which are properly named the bird dropping moths, they look like poop. They look like bird poop. Yes. So they can't be picked <laughs> off during the day. Yes. One. I love when the caterpillars look like poop because yes. even we miss them. Like it's in. Yeah, because you think it's, it's oh, so cool. I'm not touching that. It's poop. Right. That's so smart. So the bird dropping moths, some of them are like, they're they're some of them are classified in that micro moth, so very very small. When I say that, I mean like your pinky nail and smaller is a micro moth, and I got a big old fat pinky, so it's probably closer to your guys's pinky nails. <laughs> um, but they they blend in really well to look like poop because poop tends to be small. But there's a pearly and a beautiful wood nymph that look almost identical. They just look like these big old piles of poop. <laughs> Everything goes back to poop no matter what we do. It does. It does. Poop. 
so yeah, the pearly wood nymph and the beautiful wood nymph, they look almost identical to each other. There's like a little speck on the side that you can tell the difference between the two. And then they, uh, like I said, they, they blend in crazily and look like poop. Th these are real, real moths, people. I promise you, I'm not lying to you. I'm not telling you a fib. <laughs> Gonna Google poop moths. <laughs> you better bird poop moths. Just Google them. They'll just get a whole list of them. And then some of our moths, um, as adults, they never eat. They just reproduce right. and die. So that's actually a large portion of the ones that we get to the light. They don't oh. eat. They just they're there. Um, because one the 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 light is what attracts them, and they travel. They were thought to have traveled that way. It's just an attractant for them. They kind of get confused. And basically, you're you're basically jamming them, um, mm -hmm. and then um, some of them they have mouth parts, but they're not like functional mouth parts. So, gotcha. which is another fascinating um, feat for these little guys. So now we're gonna move on to our. Now that I'm done talking about moths, for the most part, our article has is talking about moths, of course, <laughs> but. If you guys have any questions or you want to get into mothing, even at your back porch, you can email us. They will send your email directly to me. I will help you out. If you find something cool in your backyard, send us pictures. I want to know. Yeah. I yeah, that's so that true. Because we, we don't mind getting pictures and things of people wanting to identify stuff. Like sometimes it's really fun for us because we don't know what it is. So then. Yes. Holy rabbit hole. <laughs> so the, all the the three of us are all digging and researching and asking each other questions. It's it's really fun for us. So feel free. Well, even even if off. we think we know a lot about a topic, we still I still go to these two. I'm like, hey, do you think it's this or what? Am I right? Like, yeah. And then when we, we do. find it out, we read more about it. Like, where did mm -hmm. it come from? What's its life history? What does it eat? What's its habitat? And so. we're not just kind of keeping a category of things in the parks. You know, we're, we're countywide. So yeah. if you find something on the other end of the county where we're, we don't have a park that's close to, we want to know because then we can let other people know. And, you know, there are scientists that are looking for that data all the time and yeah. would be beneficial for them. So it's if we can fun. help you out yeah. and spark something in your brain that gets you curious, let us know. Yeah. Okay, so... We are going to give you guys 10 moths, you, Melissa, and Cheryl, and you guys are going to try to tell me if it's a real moth with a real name or a fake moth. So oh. there, will, eh, there might be five and five, but we'll see. This will be fun. All right. Because I told you there are some crazy names to moths. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many of them <laughs> that it, it's hard to not have a, a few funny names. Okay. All right. You ready for the first one? Ready. Ready. Tufted apple bud moth, real or fake? <laughs> I'd say real. Okay. Real. You know, it is real. Good job. Uh, I like apple bud. All right. Cute. Okay. All right. The dotted pepper schmear moth, real or fake? Real. I'm going to say fake. It is fake, Cheryl. Good job, Melissa. I'm just going to say real for all of you. Really they're all real. It is, it is actually called the spotted peppergrass moth. But you probably would have said that one was real too. <laughs> I, already told you, I already told you my, my MO here. All right. Um, you guys both better get this one. The coffee-loving pyrusta. 
Real. Real. Yeah. All right. I gave you that one. That I was had a, to think about it. That was a softballer. <laughs> the under pitch right there. <laughs> All right. You ready? Purple carrot moth. Real. Oh. Uh, fake? <laughs> Melissa? Cheryl? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a purple carrot moth. When I, when I was able to identify that moth for the first time. These are also all moths that I found in the parks. Um, when I found that moth, I was like, I'm calling bull crap on this. Right. <laughs> like, I had to look at, is this like a side name or something? Nope, but that's his name. Huh. All right. Hmm. Looking for a good one here. Gray-edged snout. Real. Real. Good job, you guys. There are a whole group of snout moths, so it could be easy. There are snout butterflies, I believe, too. I yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> the green pug moth. <laughs> Real. <laughs> I'm gonna say fake. Melissa? No. Cheryl? For real? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to see these. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll show them to you later. But the, all right. The tufted bird dropping moth. Real. Mm. Fake. Cheryl? <gasps> Alyssa? All right. <laughs> Ready? Ready. The dingy cutworm moth. Real. <laughs> I'm going to say real. Yeah, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what What's good about it is because I'm masked, you guys can't see my facial expression, which makes this much easier for me because yeah. I'd be like giving it away. I'd be like sitting there uh -huh. smirking like, that one's oh, real, guys. <laughs> Okay. I would use the pink streak, but you guys know that one's like, I should have done the brown streak. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um Bee Moth. Oh. Fake. Real? Cheryl? Melissa. Sad news. It doesn't look like a bee. Looks nothing like a bee whatsoever. So I don't know. They're they're not that impressive. To be honest. All right. Chickweed geometer moth. Real. Real. Yeah. I've mentioned that one before, haven't I? No, those are all real words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know real. I'm pretty <laughs> sure <laughs> every word we've used is real. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I meant like they're real. Like <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, we got two more. <laughs> oh. Bent-lined carpet moth. Um, fake. I want to say fake. You're both wrong. What? <laughs> yep. Have you done any fake ones? Yeah, I did. I just changed up some names on a few. You guys are got a pretty even score here, so whoever gets this one wins the day. 
All right. I got to find a good one. Too obvious, too obvious. I'm cutting your doo-doo out. (laughs) Oh, that sounded bad. (laughs) I'm about to lose interest. Ready? (laughs) Wavy lined toe moth. Wait, say it again. Wavy lined toe moth. Real. Real. <laughs> gotcha. It's the wavy lined fan foot moth, actually, oh. which sounds much cooler. <laughs> so good job, guys. Neither one of you win because you both missed the last one. It was a tie. <laughs> All right. Good job. It's it's a really fun hobby. Um, it's easy to do. And now cameras, even on your, like most of the pictures I take now are with my phone just because I don't like carrying 12,000 things out into the woods, which we all do. (laughs) But uh, it's. As you bring a generator for your light. Yeah. Like I, (laughs) no, that's what I'm saying. Like I have all that stuff already. So I'm going to, I think this year I'm going to try to like, like find the center point of Edison Woods and go there. Oh, that's cool. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like the deeper you go, and the, it's yeah. So anyway, yeah. so I could talk about moths just about as much as birds. So, but <laughs> look them up; they're real, and then you'll find out how beautiful they are, and that they're in your backyard. You'll be hooked. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. <laughs> I hope everybody loves moths now and thinks that they're better than butterflies, and. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to me talk more than anyone else. So, all right.